Blog Talk Radio. topics sometimes. Today, we have one of those topics that's kind of unusual, at least to a lot of people it's unusual, and uh, it's also extremely interesting and just extremely disturbing. Um, my guest is Elizabeth Zwirling, who is a professor, uh, and well, you know what, Elizabeth, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself and and uh, what you do for a living and what your what your avocations are. Okay. Um, hi. <laughs> Thank you. I am a journalism professor um, at the University of Laverne in Southern California and a journalist, an independent journalist. Um, and I'm a former newspaper journalist. Um, and uh, I currently, uh, I write about a variety of issues and uh, among them are women's issues and, and feminist issues. Okay. You know what? I love the way you said feminist issues because when I describe the show, I always say we talk about women's issues. And my daughter, uh, God lover, who's a CPA down in San Diego, always looks at me and says, Mother, there is no such thing as a woman's issue. There are people issues. And, you know, bless her heart, I, I in theory, I'm right there, and I think I must have done something right raising that girl. However, realistically... <laughs> <laughs> we know that there are things like women's issues that women seem to be more interested in than men. And so I like the idea of of using the terminology feminist issue. I like that. Thank you for that. Yeah, I you know the and the term feminist has sort of gone in and out of vogue and I am cautiously optimistic that it is making a comeback. Um and I can I gauge so. that from my current students um who who are proud to call themselves feminists. So that's been really nice. Um, so how long have you taught journalism? 14 years. Wonderful. The reason I ask, and I, and I didn't realize this when I asked you on the show, but I have a journalism degree. My undergrad degree is in journalism. And um, I am a stickler about journalism. And I have that dread when I open the New York Times and find, you know, exit poll, P-O-L-E, you know, and, and I think whatever oh happened to yeah. journalism, you know. So, um, you know, wow, good on you. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's one of the reasons that I highly praise uh, women's e-news is because it actually is a fine journalistic publication regardless of the content. And, of course, you add the content and it's just right up there in my opinion. Um, so good on you for being a real honest to God journalism teacher. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I see um I I I would disc- I'm I'm a pretty uh committed feminist. Um and and in situations where where I have been challenged to put my feminism above my journalism or my journalism above my feminism if you can if, that, if that's if that's an accurate way to put it, I I I'm I'm a journalist. I I have to you know I have to stick to those those old fashioned journalism ethics, which um, you know in order to be an ethical journalist, we have to understand new media, of course. But but the old ethics are still in play, I believe. Um. 
Well, and I, you know, I actually taught a seminar on the difference between, you know, what we call the new media. I call it citizen journalism and uh-huh. traditional journalism. And it amazes me sometimes how very young people do not see any difference. And the main difference for me is accountability and those ethics. Um, so anyway, but we diverge. We diverge. Our topic today yes, yes. is <laughs> our topic today is revenge porn. Now this is a, a term that I kind of stumbled upon when I was reading Women's E News, and where you published an article um, called "Ravages of Revenge Porn Spur Federal Crime Push," and this was out in uh, let me see, I'm looking for the date. February, February. It was, it was February, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And uh, um, this just I, I tickled my, my curiosity. And I, wow, revenge porn. I mean, I've heard of porn, and obviously I've heard of revenge, but revenge porn, what the heck is that? So in reading the article, I learned something new, and it occurred to me that we perhaps need to explore this further, and, and hence I contacted you, and uh, that's what we're going to do today. So tell us, please. Oh, well, let me toss out our phone number first. Um, if you would like to uh, call us and join our conversation, please give us a call, 646 378 That's 646 Zero four three zero. Also, if you go to the website, uh, which if you're listening live, you will uh, be on the website right now. We do have a chat room that's open. If you don't want to be on the show, you can make a comment, uh, and I can read it for you on air or ask Elizabeth the questions. So, um, revenge porn. What what is revenge porn, and and when did this become a thing? Um, well. You know, it's hard to say when it it started happening, but it came around the time of the emergence of social media, I think, on a large scale. So um, it's been around for a little while, um, and what it is is um, posting the posting of a nude or intimate photo, a personal of that's you know given to someone. You know, generally in an intimate relationship, um, the relationship goes bad, and then the angry or jealous ex-partner posts um, the intimate photo that was exchanged in in a private setting in a private relationship, and um, like so many other things, uh, they often go viral. And then um, so it goes to social media or it goes, uh, in one case, um, <clears throat> a woman's ex-boyfriend posted her photos, her photo on eBay, um, which is kind of odd, but um, <laughs> with a lot of personal information. And then there's been this emergence of designated revenge porn websites and at one point there were about 30 of these websites um and it started out as a sort of a you know what an angry ex does to get back at his or her partner um and in some cases it's turned into um a money making endeavor and uh, of course, yeah. I, when um, I read your article, uh, Elizabeth, I was astounded to find out. Well, I guess I shouldn't have been, but uh, it, you know that there are actual websites set up specifically for the purpose of angry boyfriends posting um, pornographic pictures of their girlfriends or ex-girlfriends or ex-wives or whatever. I mean, they they are specifically set up for that purpose. 
Yeah, it's why? pretty horrifying. It, yeah, why would there be money in that? I mean, is it money like there's money in porn? People just want to look at naughty pictures? or I think it's the, the same concept and um, and advertising. I'm a little bit confused about how so many of these um, completely online organizations make money, but they do. Um, so, uh, but but so there is there is a financial incentive for some, and it generally starts out as an act of revenge. Um, and um, I can't really think of an offline equivalent. And you know, while I can understand the you know, the pain, the anger when people break up. We have the weapon of the Internet and social media and um, images going viral and YouTube and everything. We, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, we just didn't have that weapon that was at our fingertips. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, I think you did. I, I mean, that's the motivation for these these men to post. I'm assuming yeah. that the motivation for the websites to host is money is financial? So do you yeah. So if these if these these men and I'm saying men because I'm assuming that that's the overwhelming majority, majority of users. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, do they pay to post these pictures on these sites or how? You know, we don't know. Um, there's some of it is extortion. Uh, some of the money is made by you know telling the having the victim who was posted. Um, who wants the image removed, uh, you know, saying, well, we'll remove it for, you know, if you pay us a certain amount of money. That's one of the one of the financial incentives, one of the financial wow. um, motivations. Yeah, it's 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 really, really the, evil. Not, that's not the ex-boyfriend saying that. That's the website saying that. That's the website. So it's, it, you know, it, it escalates into a, an, you know, just sort of an impersonal, extortion scheme, I suppose. Well, in this example you gave about the boyfriend who posted the pictures for sale on eBay, um, the Mm -hmm. the victim was able eventually to get eBay to take those down. She was. Are there ways to fight these sites that you know of? Um, You know, the sites themselves have user policies, and their user policies are generally... Um, that they do not, they they have begun to acknowledge revenge porn. So whether revenge porn is is a criminal offense in in whatever state you're in, um, now, currently 20 states have um, <clears throat> laws, uh, criminal laws, criminal penalties for revenge porn. <clears throat> Excuse me, <clears throat> but. Um, uh, in terms, so in terms of fighting the um, actual website, so so for example, Facebook. Um, if you alert Facebook, if you alert YouTube to this activity, it is specifically and Google too. Uh, it's against their user policy. Um, so I mean, it takes some doing to actually get through to somebody who will remove it. But the problem is that the images um, may already have been picked up somewhere else. Um, yeah. And uh, and you know they go viral. So, um, like the woman that I interviewed, more than a year after she had, she thought she'd gotten her her images taken down. She found them on yet another site, on a porn site, and um, they you know they've described it as like a game of whack a mole. You know you get it taken down, you think the problem is 
solved, and then you Google yourself and you find that you're in all these other places. So, yeah. um, it, and of yeah, course, that's it, the problem with everything on the internet. And I think that especially young people who grew up with the Internet, don't realize that once it's out there, it's out there. You can be 45 years old and, and your son Johnny can be searching the web and find a porno picture of you that you did when you were 18. Um, exactly. You know, and, and even if it, the it is, original poster takes it down, um, it you don't know where it's gone because people pick things up. There's copyright law. There's There are, there are civil penalties for this, but um, it's um, – I mean – you know, my excuse me. Um, you know, even as a journalist, I've seen my work appear here and there and everywhere. Um, and am I really going to go after each of these small or big websites and say, okay, you know, take my work down or I'm going to sue you and I'm going to sue you? That's most people don't have. Um, you know, most people just don't have the wherewithal or the money or whatever to to or or even the resources how do you know exactly. what some of these things are out there there's millions of these these places exactly if you don't exactly. know that it's there it can be lurking forever exactly you know? and so people have found their you know their friends have alerted them to um to the photos and in, in uh cases of revenge porn. I mean, it's horrifying. If you can imagine, you know, hearing from a coworker, I saw this picture of you online. It was a nude picture. It had your occupation. It had the place that you work. Um, so then the employer is angry because, you know, here's a, a porn photo of, a, you know, English professor, for example. I mean, it's horrifying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the, 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 you know, I, I hate to do this. I really do, because I hate victim blaming. But sometimes, mm-hmm. especially as an older woman, I look at these young <clears throat> girls and what they're posting, and they're putting, even voluntarily, I mean, forget about coercion, on the Internet. And I think, what the hell are you thinking? Yeah, Why? it's hard. It, it's Go hard to, to, yeah, I mean, my I have to admit that my first thought was, well, what did you do? <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. Why <laughs> did you send this picture? You know, what were you thinking? But um, it it happens kind of innocently. So the woman, the, the woman that I profiled particularly um, was in a relationship, her, um, her boyfriend wanted to take pictures of her. She acquiesced. It was a combination. She said she felt a little uncomfortable, but she thought it was a body image thing. Um, But she acquiesced. And really, um, about 50% of people in intimate relationships, this is one of the statistics I found, share nude photos with their partner, their lover. I mean, that's a lot of people. And, and when so you that say account- share nude photos, you don't mean take a Polaroid and hand it to them. You mean email it, text it. No, uh, I mean, no, no. I, that would include taking a Polaroid, but how easy is, is it to scan a Polaroid? Um, yeah, that's so it's, true. It's, I mean, it's easier to shoot it with your iPhone and uh, text it. But you can yep. still, I mean, most people are, when we, we talk about pictures now, most people think in terms of snapping it with their iPhone and sending it to whomever. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. right? I mean, oh, I, the technology I, I makes it to, so uh, easy. 
I used to be a professional photographer, and I just took a trip to Ireland. I didn't even take a camera. Mm. I took my cell phone. I mean, it's just yeah, <laughs> the technology exactly. of those things is so wonderful. So, of course, it's, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's incredible. So if 50% of people are doing it young, old, I mean, the woman that I, you know, I'm going back to the woman I profiled because I, too, was thinking, I mean, I always talk to my students. I have some of them on Facebook, and I'm like, what are you thinking posting that picture of yourself? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, yes, exactly. Um, but there, is there but a response? This woman do, was, do, the, do the young women especially have a response to that? Um, I just, I tell them, I tell them, I tell them even before I knew about revenge porn, watch what you post on Facebook. Watch, look for what, you know, watch it. Be careful. Um, I mean, I even, I even feel uncomfortable with, with all my friends who post their kids' pictures. Um, yeah. It it's it's scary because these pictures can be taken out of context. They can be photoshopped. I you know, but even if they're not yeah. 50% of people are sharing intimate photos with the person they're romantically involved with and that's not, you know, doesn't discriminate by age. So the women victims that that I mean, they're prominent because they're educated and they became activists, but they're middle-aged. And this was their experience as 30, 35 to 45-year-olds who, with, with, you know, master's degrees. Yeah. Um, well, and we could have a whole other discussion. You know, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm getting a little older, and, and I've got to tell you, it is a kick. It really is. I don't know why everybody always talks negatively about getting older. One of the things that makes it so wonderful <laughs> is you have a strength and a will and a decisiveness that you never had before. Right, and I right. think now, I mean, if somebody came to me now, well, probably if somebody came to me now and wanted to have a nudie picture of me, I'd be delighted. But <laughs> <laughs> if I were, you know, when I was a young woman, I could see being coerced, even if I were uncomfortable mm-hmm. with that. Simply mm-hmm. because, you know, we're, we want to be nice, we want to be accommodating, we want to blah, blah, blah. At this stage in my life, somebody said that, I'd say, you know, go screw yourself. I, You know, forget it. Right, um, of course. You know, the, so that why is it that we as young women, and I'm I'm saying we because I don't see that it's all that different with mm-hmm. young with teenagers today than, there, than with teenagers in my era. Um, mm-hmm. Why is it as young women that we we can't just look at them, laugh, and say, I don't think so. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not on your life. Yeah, that's a good and question. Yet, um, yeah, well, we, you know, we have a media and we have a culture that puts a lot of value in, you know, how beautiful you are and how sexy you are and and how good you feel about your body. Um, so you want to show you are proud of your body, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable. I think all of that is at play, and it, more so for women um, than for men. Well, and it's for, not just you know, that. I mean, I, and I realize we're segueing into a different topic, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I remember the, the whole, you know, if you didn't want to sleep with me, it's because you're frigid, right? Or you're a lesbian. Right. I mean, right. why else would right. you not want to sleep with me, right? Right. Um, I mean, right. that whole coercion thing, if you don't want to do this, it's because there's something wrong with you, not because my request is unreasonable. And right. I, I'm not sure if that cuts both ways with men and women. Um, there's all this, know you know, either. all all the psychology, all the sort of 
traditional um, expectation that men are the aggressors or and women are supposed to, you know, women are supposed to be pursued, men pursue them. I mean, a lot of it is just yeah. cultural conditioning. It's, it's, um, well, a lot of it. And I don't know how revenge porn, what's that? Yeah. I said a lot of it is yeah. just bogus. It's not really the case. It's right. just different techniques for doing that. Well, we right. are, again, I digress. Um, one of the, the things that you mentioned, and again, I'm going to toss out our phone number here because I, I would love to hear from some, one of our listeners. Give us a call, 646-378-0430. 646-378-0430. If you've had an experience with this, with guest porn, or with guest porn, I'm looking at the chat room, with uh, uh, revenge <laughs> porn, um, give us a call. Let us know what happened and and um, you know your feelings about what happened to you. Um, okay, so I was reading another article um, by, and I, I, I for some reason when I copied it, I didn't copy um, the publication that I got it from, but I will give the um, the author Amanda Marcotte, and oh, it's probably equates, Slate. Right. Oh, could be because I go there a lot. Um, yeah. She equates revenge porn and the rise of revenge porn with the whole notion of men's rights that that men see that they have ownership of the women that hmm. they're with, and when those women break up. Uh, or decide not to uh, stay in that relationship, uh, there's a sense that somehow or other the men's right has been violated and therefore retaliation occurs. In your research, is that's, that what you found? Um, that's, a, uh, that's a really interesting perspective. So that why are men the perpetrators of revenge porn in 90% of the instance, instances? Um, I didn't um pursue that uh particularly uh why do they do it um you know and my my sense is it's just the electronic version of some other kind of slut shaming you know oh, okay. um uh sure. and but but she might you know she might know more about that and and I don't know if it's a resurgence of men's rights or it's a backlash against you know those uppity women I, yeah. You know, I'm not really sure. <laughs> For those women who think they have a right to do what they want, right? Right. We're getting, you um, know, things are getting too equal now. So let's let's, you yeah. know, which which happens, right? Um, well, yeah, when, exactly. Well, and, and whenever there, you know, whenever there's a privileged group and and equality uh, occurs or movements toward equality, it's always perceived as a loss from the power group. Of so course, of what, what you know, instead of seeing it as some sort of equality, it is being seen as some sort of erosion of their rights and privilege. And so you have all right. that uh, you know, emotional baggage and yeah. stuff that goes with it. Um, right. Okay. Of when you were you were talking uh, about the law before, uh, and right. said that there were a certain number of states who recognize this as a crime, but a, a number of <laughs> states that do not. What do, right. do you? What what's the difference? Is it just a matter of public awareness and public push that makes it uh um recognized and acknowledged in one state over another or is there something um, unique? You know, I I think uh that's a good question. There's sort of the pushback of first amendment. So that's one issue at play. Um so some first amendment and first advocates amendment say meaning we have the right to free speech. 
that, exactly. As long as exactly. It, but I always thought was that was you know the old example of of you know yelling fire in a, in a crowded theater. You have a right to yell fire all you want, but if you're in a crowded theater, then you're impinging on other people's rights and safety. Right. Exactly. And so and and of course, um, what happens in what can happen in revenge porn is, you know, and, and, and there have been recent studies that, you know, it's just as destructive, it's just as invasive. In some ways, it's even more um, detrimental to the victims because it persists. It can persist for years. So it's not like you were attacked once, but you're attacked consistently or constantly for over the over the course of, of a few years. So some of it is education. So Some states, um, like the state of New Jersey, I believe, had a revenge porn law um, in effect for a long time, but law enforcement was not aware of it. Um, and uh, and so the pushback is, you know, well, there are, there are copyright laws, there are privacy laws. These are all um, civil laws that protect uh, people. Uh, so, so if if you post my picture, I can sue you for um, invasion of privacy. I can sue you for copyright because it's my picture. I own it. Um, and so, so some states, some legislatures, some lawmakers are are at the moment are satisfied um, that um, this is enough. Um, and. Uh, and what else? And and much of it, it just has to do with I think with with uh, people becoming aware of the issue, seeing um, how serious it is, understanding um, that it is um, destructive, it is a crime, it is um, so that kind of exercising of free speech um, is really a, a horror can be just a horrifying violation of somebody else's rights to. Um, safety yeah. and freedom it, and, it, and is it different in the eyes of the, the laws that you are aware of um if the you know i mean sometimes women we, we already did the thing of what were you thinking to allow that sometimes right. women do allow these kinds of pictures to be taken and, and distributed Absolutely. by their, their they, boyfriends but there a, are a large percent where women do, yeah, where women don't know that these pictures or videos are being taken uh-huh. Um, is there a, a difference in the the laws that you're aware of between uh, those victims where they didn't know they were being victimized and victims where they inadvertently participated in, in their vict- own victimization? Well, the laws are sort of being worked out. So California had a law um, in place for a couple years um and it didn't cover selfies. So if I took a selfie, if I took a nude selfie, sent it to my boyfriend, um, then we broke up, then he posted it. Essentially, I'm the distributor because I took the photo. Um, that consent was implied in the selfie. And then this past um, January, an amendment uh, was put into place to the California law so that the 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 law criminalizing revenge porn included selfies. So if I send my boyfriend a selfie, we break up, he posts it, it goes viral, he's responsible for, he's perpetrated um, a revenge porn crime against me. Mm. Um, So some of them are are evolving, and it seems as if 
as you know, as new laws are put into place, they become they generally tend to be a little bit more inclusive, a little bit more protective of um, potential victims. Um, and you know, there's a problem with individual state laws, of course, because the internet is not only national but international. Um, and oh. there's a there's also a federal law that is um, right now. I think it's stalled in Congress, but there's there's a federal law written, and um, uh, the goal of the advocates um, is is that it that we have federal legislation criminalizing revenge porn that's kind of uniform from one state to the next. Yeah. Yeah. I you know when we were having this conversation I flashed on um Representative Anthony Weiner. <laughs> Remember that from <laughs> yeah. a few years ago that, that yeah. was, but he was a congressman, right? And right, he took right. the selfies, you know, specific areas and and you know and of course nobody will ever forget his name. Um, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, how unfortunate is that? He could have been named, you know, um, Jones. It had to be Anthony Weiner. Um, but he distributed his own, you know, selfies, so to speak. Right. Um, and he got into major, major trouble. But of course, that was because of his position as a congressman. But also because he was sending these things unsolicited to um, uh, to women. And that's another crime. That's harassment. Well, exactly, and I was wondering how would that kind of, I mean, does, we've been talking about men posting pictures right. of the women. Do, do we have, or did you run across any, any situations like the Anthony Wieners where they were sending out pornographic pictures um, uh, simply because they wanted to, and and were the repercussions the same? Well, so he, his his came up when I was talking with the lawyer for the ACLU. So the ACLU took a look at Arizona's um, law, um, and they said it went too far because it would um, it would. And I, I used the language. I was very specific with the language. Um, uh, laws that punish those publishing nude or sexual photos without the subject's consent can blur the distinction between malicious activity and the sharing of valuable newsworthy nudity. Um, and one of them was <laughs> the, the. I mean, there were Sorry, there were better examples, <laughs> right? But so there were. So in other words, like uh, Anthony Weiner put that photo out there. He was a public figure, and then. Um, so therefore, the news media should be able to pick it up uh, and and distribute it because it's out there and it's public information. It's kind of you know arguably important, um, and certainly the public has a right to know that the person they may elect is mayor of New York. Um, well, plus or, we've always uh, had that exclusion from from uh, for public figures. Um, right. You know, in in the the area of privacy, whatever, we have always excluded um, public figures from from you know the the same protections that individual citizens would have well, when it comes yes to public information. Well, yes and no. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, we have. Um, there's a higher expectation. Um, uh, they, have, you know, they can have a lower expectation of privacy. Uh, but there was the, you know, there were. There was uh, who's the actress? Um, I'm blanking. All the, those actors whose photos were hacked. Um, remember that? I remember that. I can't uh, remember her name though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why am I blanking on her name though? 
uh, anyway, um, so that arguably was an invasion of privacy. They were, were private photos, um, you know, uh, and and um, uh, so the Anthony Weiner thing is a little bit different because he put the photos out there themselves. It's it's a little bit confusing. They used. Um, uh, a valuable newsworthy nudity. Um, the other, um, the other example that the ACLU lawyer gave was um, the Abu Ghraib prisoner photos of 2003, and those were published. There was some discussion, mostly not because of the privacy issues, but because of uh, that they were graphic and horrible. Um, so. The laws need to, and and what the the organizations and the lawyers working on drafting the laws need to make sure that they do is that they don't go too far as to prohibit non-consensual nude photos, kind of a blanket law prohibiting them, because if there is a news value to them, um, they need to be permitted. And that's, so so that's one of the things that, that our conversation is, is, is I think, uh, clearly illustrating is that mm-hmm. it's not so simple. I mean, you say, oh, no, I, I gave my boyfriend a, a naked picture or he took a naughty picture or however you want to describe it, and mm-hmm. then he posted it on the website. We're all outraged, and this is terrible. But the fact is that this is a much more complex issue than just revenge porn because it involves First Amendment. It involves... Um, right. You know, right to know. It involves all those other things, and you know, quite frankly, I'm not sure that we can always. I'm not sure that we can always invent a law to fix every wrong. Right. Well, and some of it will have to be um, interpreted interpreted on a case by case basis. But I think, um, I to some degree, law is always left to interpretation. Um, and in my mind, the issue is is just that when laws, a lot of laws were put into place um, long before the invention of the internet, um, and it's all you know, it's kind of a wild west out there with what people are figuring out they can do, and what do we do about it? Well, and I mean. It- can we do things about it? I mean, I, I, it seems, mm-hmm. seems like we chip away, you know, with little, when issues like this particular issue come up, then we try to chip away at it. But it is so, you know, I mean, it's, it's such a megalithic, you know, I mean, the Internet. I mean, it, it sounds like it's, you know, I mean, it's not like saying Time Magazine. I mean, the right. Internet is just, uh, you know, some sort of huge megalith out there. And how do you corral that? How do you uh, patrol it? How do you? I mean, it's just absolutely impossible. Which brings us back to the issue of, I guess, and and I'm just asking this question not necessarily because I expect mm-hmm. an answer, but how do we raise young women to be aware of all of that and protect, to protect themselves? themselves? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's really the question, isn't it? How do we, you know, how do and 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 how do we? get them, you know, one of the things that I saw in your article was that in in uh, a couple of the examples that you used of women where this has happened is that they felt uncomfortable doing the pictures. They felt uncomfortable, right. you know, but instead of just saying, okay, I'm uncomfortable and stopping, 
they told themselves, well, it just must be my body image issue. It must be, it's a hang-up that right, I have. Right. I need to be this. I need to be that. And so, um, you know, I guess, you know, it, it kind of comes back to that. How do we how do we go to the root of the problem and get young women who um, only participate in ba- behavior that they are 100% behind participation in? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's not... And the behavior, the body image issues, the wanting to fit in, I mean, those, I don't think those have changed, but um, the web has, has made the stakes much higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and that's something so that, yeah, I mean, I have a, you know, I have a nine-year-old daughter, um, and she's figured out that she can play her online games and meet her friends online. Hey. Aye. Which is, you know, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, and then they can I know. Pictures. I, well, no, no, they're not there yet. Um, but um, yeah, it's, and you know, I don't even, I don't even understand that. But here she is going online. She is, she makes dates with her friends to meet online, playing Animal Jam at six p.m. You know. I you know the, the funny thing about it, you know, for you know, and 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 I'm I'm older than you are, so I'm even a, a further generation behind. But uh-huh. I mean, I have seen young people sitting next to each other texting each other. I know. It's like I know. You know, you'd rather use your thumbs than your eyes and your mouth. I, I yeah. don't understand that. You know, um, and 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 I, I you know I struggled for a while thinking, well, all this is doing is interfering with inter- interpersonal communication. It really is. I mean, I think so. uh, you know, texting and all that, and and even email. I mean, that's great for setting up dates or you know reviewing right, notes. Right. But for interpersonal exchanges, how can you do that without using your voice and your eyes and your body language and all that kind of stuff? And yet, it seems like we have a generation, at least one generation of of young people who are are growing uh, up that way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I. Don't know. I I don't know. It's overwhelming to to put it in context, but um. I know, I know. And then things like this come up with the revenge porn, and you think, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Um, yeah. One of the things that you also talked about were civil remedies. Now, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, people have two ways of going when somebody does something that, that you know is egregious. One is yeah. to see if they violated the law. The other way is to see if they can just sue them. You know, right, I mean. Right. And, and and get you know some sort of either compensation or get them to stop or whatever. You explored that for your research as well. What what's the deal with the civil remedies? Um, well, you can sue some. I mean, you can sue someone for copyright infringement. Um, so if if I were a victim of revenge porn, I could sue the perpetrator, or if it was one of those revenge porn sites. Um, I could sue them for copyright infringement. This is my photo, my image. I own it. I created it, and it is being um, reused and misused. Um, and the other one is invasion of privacy. Uh, and so the woman who um, who created the whole end revenge porn campaign and the cyber civil rights initiative, Holly Jacobs, um, she was a victim of revenge porn more than five years ago. Um, and she, and, and she became an activist. It's her life's work now. And she is still in process of suing um, her, the, the 
perpetrator against her. Um, and it's a very slow, very expensive process. Um, and not many people um, who find themselves victim of revenge form can, can afford the time, can afford the effort, have the wherewithal to file a civil suit. The argument is that, that if you win a civil suit, then it gets taken down. Um, but that it's it's a it's a very long involved process and very expensive. So, well, and um, as you pointed out earlier, even if it's taken down from that particular site, doesn't mean don't know. that it disappears. No. Exactly. You know, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So the civil remedies are few and far between, very expensive and highly ineffective, is what you're saying. That's yeah. That's what it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we sum that up. Um, yeah, but and, also, and, yeah. you know, people do use civil remedies to try and make a point. And, Absolutely. Um, so, and so know, I think I mean, that's, I mean, you know, Holly Jacobs, who is um, one of the, one of the, Two leads in all of this. She and Marianne Franks, um, who is a law professor, have been um, have put together the End Revenge Porn Campaign, the Cyber Civil Rights Initiative. They have advised legislatures um, across the country on their laws. They have been instrumental in pa- in in, ha- in eleven states and the federal legislation, which is pending in Congress. Um, <clears throat> they, yeah, and uh, we're going to talk more about those two organizations when we okay. wrap up the show. But right okay. now, I wanted to go into you know I'm kind of going through your article here, and you uh-huh. talked about the long-lasting trauma of this kind yeah. of an assault, uh, revenge <clears throat> porn, and I I think of it as an assault. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And um, we, when you say the long-lasting trauma, are you talking about? the fact that 20 years from now it could pop up on a website somewhere, or are you talking psychological tra- uh, trauma to the victim? Both. Um, and and the fear that it's never really over is part of the trauma. According to some of the psychologists who I spoke to about it, to some degree it's worse because you never know. You have um, a panic attack before Googling your name or logging into a, a website or checking, it makes it makes the responses that people be, people become hyper vigilant. Um, they never, they feel like it it'll never end. So, um, so that well, kind you, of being you were mentioning it's gone. not uncommon now for prospective employers or um, you know to 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 Google and to do some right. online research just to see what's out there about this particular person. And wow, you know, I mean, I I, I uh, belong to the American Psychological Association, and I remember mm-hmm. a year or so ago they were doing a scenario at at, at a uh, a seminar, and one of the things they talked about is is it ethical as a, a psychologist to do this kind of research, uh, googling, you know, a, a potential right. uh, partner for your group or whatever, and there was a lot of discussion about it, and I must be a terrible, terrible. Uh, psychologist, because I, of course, went, of course it's ethical, it's out there, you need to know what's out there. But there actually was a lot of discussion about whether or not one should do this. Whether it's ethical or not, the fact is, it is happening. It's happening. um, And and people have to be aware that this can pop up, and and one of the scenarios they used at the the seminar (laughs) was that uh, 
that a young man did apply. He had his Ph.D., he applied, and it turned mm-hmm. out that he had been putting himself through school as a male stripper, and there were pictures out there. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. was a great flurry and a great deal of discussion about whether or not this person, because if it's available to you as an employer, it's available to his potential clients. Um, you know, I mean, the point being that it, it, it's a big, sticky wicket. Um, when something like that is encountered. So, uh, wow, you know, what this long-lasting trauma, you know, has financial repercussions as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you encounter anything where you could recommend somebody who's victimized by this um, to... Uh, you know, can you can you recommend any resources? Um, and I guess now we're getting back to the the organizations that you were talking about. Yeah. Frank's work. Yeah. Um, resources for um, for women advice. who have been for, for, Yeah. Well, there's. I mean, the um, the end revenge porn site. There are there are therapists now. So in terms of psychologically, there are therapists. Who um, who are familiar with this issue? It's, I mean, it's really like sexual assault, um, and a lot of the, um, uh, so a lot of the um, effects are are like sexual assault. People need counseling, um, and um, in but in terms of sort of a. a you know how do, how do you redeem yourself professionally it's i mean that's one of the reasons this is such a, a horrible crime um because it not only i mean you know if you're if you're physically assaulted then you go through you know it's it's horrible it's a horrible um you know it it can wreck you and you need therapy and you need to rebuild yourself but if if something is out there, um, it you know it threatens your professional reputation. Ongoing, it it um, you know it it can affect your family, it can affect your personal you know your social life. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I'm, I might have lost track of the question. So um, the um, I mean, you look at these women who are who became who became activists. Holly Jacobs, for example, um, she changed her name. Um, she's the one who started the End Revenge Porn campaign and website, and she changed her name. Um, and then the name change was posted online. I mean, she could not get away from it um, professionally and personally. You know, let alone the emotional and psychological damage. It was it was all encompassing for her. It was almost like her only um, recourse was to become an activist, to be educate people, to start a campaign, to change the law, to to change our approach to this, to to bring it, you know, to public awareness. Yeah, yeah. Well, and sometimes when something like that, you just can't get away from it. Sometimes it's best to just turn around, face it, and, and exactly, and exactly, embrace it, and say, okay, this is this is it, folks. And um, yeah. at the very least, I would think it would be more empowering. Um, and again, I think not just professionally, but personally. I mean, can you imagine, you know, 12 years from now having a son or a daughter who finds these things, uh, you know, of mom on yeah. the internet? I, I, I can't even imagine the trauma I both ends of, of that relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just wow. Um, and and 
I guess that same thing can be said for any kind of, of um, you know, pictures on the Internet. I mean, obviously, it's a huge, huge problem. When, you know, one of the things in our conversation that's kind of niggled at the back of my brain is calling mm-hmm. this porn. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and of course, people have been trying for, uh, you know, a century to define, at least, to define what is pornographic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see art pictures all the time the, of nudes, and that's, you know, we're all in agreement, no, that's not pornographic. Um, and then we see things on occasion where we go, well, that's pornographic. It seems to me that this revenge porn, is, is that an appropriate moniker for this? Yeah, um, maybe it, does it make it less, um, sound less severe than it actually is? Should it be called, you know, online sexual assault or something? I don't know. I don't yeah. know, but uh, and and certainly I imagine that the the images run the gamut from you know mm-hmm. uh, sexual activities to just nudity, um, right? But um, you know I would it would seem to me that just that moniker that that name for it might also cause um, mixed reactions when it comes to creating a law or getting assistance or you know even dealing with it psychologically. It, it, did that cross your mind, or did you encounter that at all, or am I just um, in terms of the term? No, you know, in in terms of the terminology, um, I didn't I didn't explore that. It sounded pretty. Um, I it sounded it more or less sounded accurate to me. I mean, the idea that. Uh, you know, it's really the idea of taking a personal image and turning it into pornography, in you know, into something that um, it was not intended for sexualizing. Yeah, you know, and maybe yeah. it's a sexual image, but but it's a it's a you know between two people, and then it becomes um, a showpiece or something, and that is. Yeah, uh, but perhaps if it had a different, I don't know, if it had a different name, would it have a different um, uh, response? I'm not sure. Although, you know, we don't we don't respond very well to sexual assault, no matter what it's called. We, um, there's still, as a society, um, we don't deal with it very well. We don't um, prosecute it well enough. It's, it's severely underreported. Um, there's a culture that of victim blaming um, that persists. I don't know if it makes that much well, difference to what we call it. To, victims tend to internalize it. You know, they start they they turn right. inward and wonder what they did wrong and what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it sounds like that's a similar situation here as well. Um, when you talked with with uh, the victims for your story, were there any Similarities in their long-term responses to this. Um, let's see. <clears throat> the victims that I spoke to were um, were women who had decided to become activists. So this, um, in, you know, this incident, this this event in their lives, um, they. They were proactive initially. They reported um, the assaults to law enforcement. They researched their rights and their recourse. They found that there was um, really nothing, no, no 
uh, appropriate response by law enforcement, by the law, and they took it upon themselves to change the laws. I'm quite sure there are plenty of victims out there who have just, you know, suffered and not um, known that they had recourse or not really. I mean, these these initial victims who who became activists, there was no path. There was no, you know, okay, now you do this, now you do this, you report it to law enforcement, the criminals will be punished. None of that was, was in place. So um, the similarity among, you know, among the, the women that I spoke with, these were women who wanted to speak to me, who wanted their stories told, who wanted the information out there. So they were unusual. They were all highly educated, um, not really what you'd think of when you think of um, if you, if there's a personality um, or a, a personality type who becomes a victim. Um, and, and again, that becomes sort of a stereotyping of women victims. Like, what? It, what is it about her that made her a victim? No, there... Um, <laughs> Well, I think we do that in self-defense. People, people, uh, at least what I've been. Uh, it can't happen to me to because yeah. yeah. If if it's something right. that she did wrong or something that she right. didn't do right, then I'm safe because I will do it the right way, you know, or or I won't, mm-hmm. or I'll avoid the wrong way. So I, I I try. I used to get angry when I'd hear comments like that, and now I try to be very generous and say it's just. It's a, uh, it's reflexive. It's it's trying to be self-protective when we try right. to blame victims that it way. Could, but, I mean, when you think about the, I mean, you keep going back to that, 50% of people in intimate relationships share their intimate photos, and this is not, you know, based on a particular age group or economic level. So, really, it could happen to anyone, and that, I think, is is important for us to be aware of. That's what I learned from my research. There's no particular personality type. I mean, um, you know, I've reported on sexual assault on college campuses, and my students have been reporting on that as well, and... um, you know, there's a lot of, well, you know, be careful, especially freshman year. Don't wear short skirts. Don't get too drunk. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, we still with the short skirts. Okay. Yeah. It's not, you know, and, and it, you know, and, and let's, let's put the responsibility back on the perpetrators of this heinous activity, um, you know, and it could happen to anyone. And, in fact, when I – did my, was doing my initial research for the story. Um, I often, when I'm doing, um, you know, any story that is, you know, sort of of today's day and age, I run things by my students. And I sent out a message to a, an email message to a bunch of my students, um, my college students, and said, um, have any of you um, been victims of revenge porn? Um, and I explained what it was, although I assumed they knew what it was. And um, I said, you can tell me in confidence this is not necessarily on the record. I'm just trying to get an idea of of the issue. And the person who wrote me back was a young man who had been a victim of revenge porn. Um, so it really, it can happen to anyone. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, my point. That's it can true. happen to anyone. Um, um yeah, that it, it's huge. It's huge, and and I think that as we have been talking about the, this 
you know, this situation. We, and we've mm-hmm. also talked a lot about the victims and what the victims do. But we did mm-hmm. not talk a great deal about the perpetrators. And I think the closest we got was when I mentioned the article um, in Slate magazine that it, you mm-hmm. know, it, that, that it comes from a sense of ownership and when that, you know, um, ownership is perceived to have been uh, violated, then there's that sense of, I'm going to get back at this this person. Right, um, right. But we really, as with all of these issues, we really need to be looking at why these perpetrators are doing this and what we can do about the perpetrators. Right. Meanwhile, right. just like the situation that we talked about at the beginning with my daughter and the, there are no women's issues, there's just human being issues in an right. ideal world, of course. But the fact is that um, we're not in an ideal world and short of that ideal world, uh, the best thing that, that we could probably recommend is, you know, be excessively cautious about your images and who you give right. them to. And, and uh, that goes for men, too. I mean, you know, men, I mean, this this absolutely. young man who, you know, had a similar experience, you know, it yes. was just, you know, a nice, normal, young adult. Yeah. In a but relationship. where do we get the notion that we have to share our our, our photographs of our bodies with each other? I mean, mm. that that's that's a whole different phenomenon to explore. But you know, uh, why why do we do that? Why can't we just have what's in our memories? And why can't we have what's in front of us? Why do we have to have uh, an image on a piece of paper? I don't know. Interesting question, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And this, I mean. It, is is this a sign of the times where, where um, people now go to con to concerts or and to shows and instead of watching it they film it on their iPhone or they you know they they start shooting yeah. fix, pictures of it and posting it to their Twitter live tweeting it's you know yeah, well and, and they're the, they're the not crisis. professionals they're just yeah look at crises that have occurred you know accidents on the street and the first thing that anybody does is reach for their cell phone instead of reaching right. for you know for a picture instead of a 911 right. you know i mean it yeah. is an interesting sociological phenomenon we have talked for an hour do you realize that you when we started you didn't think that we would might we might no. do it that long but we did <laughs> i didn't i didn't i hope that i was i hope i didn't evade the questions no, I think this was no. a great conversation. Okay. I learned okay. a lot. One of the things okay, that I great. did want to point out as we wrap up uh-huh. is that there is at least one organization that we know of that people can go to, they can look up and see if it might be helpful if they find themselves in this situation, and that is End Revenge Porn Campaign. And I'm sure if you Google that, you'll be able to find it. And uh, end revenge porn campaign. The other thing that I like to do when I uh, finish a show, Elizabeth, is to wrap it up with a quote. And today I have a quote from Eddie Vedder. And the quote is, the best best revenge is to live on and prove self. So I like that. So when these things happen to us, you know, you know what the the best thing, um, the best revenge, is to live on and prove yourself. Elizabeth, thank you so much for writing your article. Thank you for all of your research, and thank you for being on the show with me today. I really appreciate thank you. it. Thank you for uh, having me. Oh, and keep doing your great work. I, I, thank I, you. I endlessly promote women's e news, quality you publication. You too. Keep doing your amazing work. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, now we've patted each other on the back. Okay. <laughs> Please join us next week. We're going to have another interesting topic. I don't recall right now what it is, but we're going to have a great topic next week on three women, three ways.
Thank you.